Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Now Bali podcast with a very overdue episode. I believe the last one we published was back in October 2020. So thank you so much for tuning in again. To reward your patience, we have a very special episode for you today. Really, it should have been our first ever episode as we'll be sharing an introduction to the island of the gods. A condensed history of Bali and what made Bali the way it is today. It's really a great way to contextualize everything you see around you. A beginner's guide to understanding Bali. This episode was originally written as the introduction to our brand new publication called Timeless Bali. It is a real labor of love, a passion project that brings us back to print with a limited edition publication. It's 120 pages of history, culture, destinations, myths, legends, and perspectives about Bali. This is now for sale, makes for great reading, and a beautiful magazine to display at home. You can find out more about Timeless Bali at nowbali.co.id. Back to the podcast. We bring you today's episode, The Island of the Gods, an introduction. I hope you enjoy. Amongst the estimated 17,000 islands that make up the Indonesian archipelago, one shines brighter than them all. This island has been called many names. The Morning of the World, Island of Peace, Island of Love. The name that resonates the most, however, is the Island of the Gods. Sandwiched between the fiery island of Java and a wild, rugged Lombok, Bali has lived through an incredibly diverse history. A history that has created the truly unique place it is today. But what makes this island so distinct from the rest of Indonesia, and indeed, the world? First and foremost, of course, is religion. Whilst Indonesia stands as the largest Muslim population in the world, Bali has managed to preserve a piece of its pious past, remaining a majority Hindu province. Indian influences spread around Indonesia from the 6th century onward, diffused through the islands by the many tradesmen, traveling missionaries, kingdoms, and empires. Most influential was the Javanese Empire of Majapahit, which reigned over the Indonesian archipelago from 1293 to 1527. It was in 1343 when the Majapahit invaded Bali, and this invasion has had long-lasting effects. The royal courts became conduits for cultural influence on the island, bringing literature, art, music and dance from their East Javanese origins. After the fall of the Majapahit Empire, the remaining princes and priests fled to Bali, introducing notions of caste and cementing the cultural heritage of the island. So, whilst the rest of the Indonesian archipelago underwent a centuries-long religious transformation towards Islam, Quiet Bali retained its own brand of Hinduism. Many Balinese see their culture as the living continuation of the Majapahit Empire. From the early days of Indianization, religion on the island was deeply molded by visiting priests, who put an Indian cosmology on top of the animistic and ancestors' cult tradition that was practiced in Bali. 
in the 12th century, one priest called Mpu Kuturan taught the Balinese how to make shrines. He created public temples, or Kayangan Jagat, such as Pura Luhur Uluwatu and Pura Besaki. In the 16th century, Danghyang Nirartha brought Shivaism and introduced the Padmasana shrine, now so iconic in the temples. Of course, it is clear for those who have been to India that the Hinduism practiced in Bali is very much its own. This is due to the island's past animist beliefs, upon which the Hindu teachings and philosophies have been superimposed. Dewi Sri, the goddess of rice, along with Dewi Danu, goddess of the lake, were the deities to worship, whose blessings would secure the well-being of Bali's agrarian livelihoods. Nature and the spirits found within it were what was considered holy. The great Mount Agung, towering in the east where the sun would rise, was seen as holiest of all. In Hindu Dharma, the name of Balinese modern Hinduism, many of these beliefs still have a place in rites and rituals. Temples and shrines are positioned in accordance to Mount Agung. Ancient trees wrapped in pollen checkered cloth, presented with offerings to placate the spirits that lives within. Even Dewi Sri herself has been absorbed into the tenets of this newfound religion. To understand worship on the island, we must understand the idea of manifestations of one God. In Bali's particular brand of Hinduism, pervaded by its animist past, God is thought to be in everything and all around us. Sanghyang Widiwasa, the singular supreme God, is always present, but not directly. He manifests himself in different forms depending on location, function, or even position. At the sea temples like Puratanalot, the Balinese pray to Batara Sagara, God of the Sea. In their village-based Puradalam temple, they will pray to Batara Dalam. It is for this reason Bali is given the name Island of the Gods. Even modern Hinduism's Trimurti of Shiva, Vishnu and Brahma are considered manifestations or avatars of Sanghyang Huidihwasa. Where God sits on a shrine or palingi, they will manifest into the appropriate form, presented with offerings and prayers for a certain function. Ancestors are equally as important to the Balinese Hindu. They are often given as much attention as the gods, if not more. Temple ceremonies are dedicated to them. In Bali's interpretation of samsara, the cycle of reincarnation, ancestors are reincarnated amongst their kin. Thus much attention goes into both birth and death rituals and ceremonies, ensuring a smooth entrance and exit of the soul between the worlds. Religion plays a key role in defining what Bali is all about. This is because it pervades mere worship and bleeds into every part of Balinese daily life. From the daily routines of a Balinese worker to the prayers of the high priest, rite and ritual can be seen throughout the day. Without the presence of its gods and ancestors, the island would not be blessed with creation of its extraordinary temples, built in locations equally as impressive. From Puratanalot, 
seemingly floating out at sea, to Purabasaki, Bali's mother temple that climbs up the southern face of Mount Agung. The Sanghyang Dadari dance and accompanying gamelan pay tribute to the gods and ancestors. The wooden mask carvers sculpting the faces of folklore in hopes its bearer shall reach Taksu and embody the very essence of his or her character. The Balinese belief system and associated traditions has created the foundation for a living, breathing culture. In turn, it gives life to the rest of the island too. Would Mount Agung still command such an aura of reverence if it were not considered the abode of the gods? Would the same sagging banyan trees still exude a sense of mysticism if they were not wrapped in cloth and presented offerings? Would the temples emanate their magic if prayers and pilgrimage no longer called upon the ancestors and deities? The likely answer is no. The daily wafting of incense is the breath that fills this island's lungs. The ceremonial processions like blood cells constantly pumping, keeping Bali's spiritual energy flowing. The beliefs, traditions and practices give story and meaning to the mundane places, objects and environments experienced on an everyday basis. Of course, Bali is not some island of obedient worshippers and ascetics. Whilst the richness of their rituals adds color to the world, the modern very much lives in symbiosis with the traditional, often in interesting ways. Modernity was thrust upon this island of kings and priests through the arrival of the Dutch. Cemented by their violent invasions of Buleleng in the north in 1845-49 and of the south of the island in 1906 and 1908, the nine kingdoms of Bali were toppled and the colonizers assumed control. Now, with authority of the island, the Dutch attempted to make amends, promising to help the Balinese modernize but simultaneously preserve the culture they themselves found interesting. As a result, Bali was opened to tourism in 1914, raising the curtain around this special island to a new global audience. The distant escape was something out of a dream for Europeans. The Dutch sold the image of Bali as a land of exoticism, a narrative that continues to this day whether or not it remains relevant or appropriate. Hi there. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Just want to take a really quick break to say thank you to our supporters who made it possible for us to publish Timeless Bali Volume 1. So a quick but very big thank you to Four Seasons Resort Bali, Bali Island School, Sensatia Botanicals, Hatton Wines, Viceroy Bali, and Andaz Bali. Now, back to the show. The first Tahid Paradise's call were artists in search of adventure and inspiration. The likes of Walter Spies, Rudolf Bonnet and Miguel Covarrubias were amongst the first, making a name and life for themselves among the island locals, and often royals too. Later, Theo Mayer, Adrian Lemayer, and Antonio Blanco followed suit. The importance of these artists cannot be understated. For one, their art with Bali as its subject was displayed around the world, 
only to further the allure of this island. Secondly, and more significantly, their work to develop the Balinese artists, many of whom were naturally gifted, created a major shift in the way in which the Balinese saw themselves and their own island. New artistic perspectives developed not only technical skill, but a way of seeing the world. It changed the very psyche. Art was previously entrusted with the narrative of myths and stories, as in the Kamasan paintings of Kurtagosa. Now it became self-expression, reflection and discovery, as an individual but also as a whole. What does it mean to be Balinese? Art has continued to be an important aspect of the island and a crucial medium for the Balinese to express, share and even reject new and old ideals. Today, it is also a valuable industry, teeming with creative spirit. Now we fast forward a little bit. Indonesia's post-war independence in 1945 sparked a fiery spirit around the archipelago, and this newfound nation sought quickly to show its presence on the world stage. Capitalizing on what the Dutch had already identified as a strong tourist pull, Bali's southern coast saw the first inklings of a tourism industry being developed in the 50s. What happened after is perhaps best described as a blur. Like an uncontrolled virus, tourism spread and grew and changed. What began as a haven for artistic elites, Bali continued to add different layers of visitors to its mix. The surfer's paradise, the bohemian backpackers escaping modernity, mushroom heaven, Australia's family retreat, party central spiritual discovery, and more recently, luxury travelers, gourmands, influencers, and digital nomads. In the same way the Balinese absorbed elements from the Chinese, Arab, and Indian traders of the 7th century, Majapahit courts of the 14th century, the artists of the 20th century, they would also absorb the thrills and chills of globalization, in their own way, as always. Going back to the original question, what exactly makes this island so distinct from the rest of Indonesia, and indeed the world? Well, today Bali is an amalgamation of past and present. They exist simultaneously, in symbiosis, in some strange duality that is typical of Bali. A careless onlooker may only see the multiplicities of modern life now very dominant, especially in the south. But if one takes the time to take a deeper, closer look, beneath this existence, the gods, deities, ancestors, temples and offerings all continue to have their place. The continued, timeless elements are still ingrained in the Balinese daily life. This duality is the power that draws people to this island, and for many makes them stay, a feeling found nowhere else. Whilst modern conveniences are abound, they have not suffocated Bali's spirit, a spirit that many are now starved from around the world. It is through the timeless aspects of the Balinese living culture, unfaltering under the new trends, tapping into an unseen spiritual center the Balinese Hindu have managed to keep the soul of their island very much alive.
that's today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that sprint through Balinese history, a kind of Bali 101 course that attempts to give context to what one sees and how we got to where we are now. As mentioned, that is the introduction to our brand new publication, Timeless Bali. So if you're interested to have our stories in your hands, head to nowbali.co.id to find out more. A big thank you to Genesis Creative Center for hosting our podcast recordings. You'll find them at inspire@genesis.com. And if you found this or any of our podcast episodes interesting, I hope you can share it with a friend or subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening to the Now Bali podcast. I'm your host Eddie Spears. See you next time. Thank you.